Welcome to the Founders with Purpose podcast, where I interview early stage founders about their mission, why they chose startup life, and how they will get where they're going. I'm your host, Darian Parrish, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, we have Aaron here from Perry. Aaron is the co-founder of Perry. Aaron, would you tell us a little bit more about uh, why you started Perry and uh, what the vision is? Sure. Um, so to tell you a little bit about what we're doing, uh, the one-liner we usually give is we're building Shopify for service-based businesses. Um, what that means right now is basically we help non-technical founders launch service-based marketplaces really quickly using this no-code platform we've built up uh, over the past year and a half. Um, yeah. Great. And you mentioned that it's for, for marketplaces. Um, and uh, from your website, it looks like one of the core functionalities is, is uh, being able to uh, build a booking app. Does it have to be for a marketplace or could anyone needing booking functionality use this product as well? Sure. So I can give you a little bit of background actually on, on how that came to be. But generally right now we focus on marketplaces. Um, when we originally started out, we were actually a B2C marketplace. Um, my co-founder founded this company originally and brought me on as the technical co-founder. Um, the original company idea was a marketplace for eyelash extensions. Um, and we, at that point, were doing like B2C booking apps for people. Um, over time, we started to talk to more and more marketplace founders and we found that their tech was lacking and that like the options on the market to build their prototypes were really lackluster. Um, so we started to transition to like doing a B2B version of that and eventually just selling access to our API, which is what we're doing now. Got it. So def definitely a pivot in there. And I think it seems to be working out for you. Let let's talk a little more about that. And um, what were the early signs that you saw uh, the traction, you know, that it was working, you know, selling the selling the API? Uh, was it just a uh, new customer signup growth? Um, was it, you know, you're getting requests for this anyways? Tell us a little more about that. Yeah, sure. So um, when we were, so, okay. So originally um, we got funded actually by Techstars to do the beauty booking app. Um, and we were working on that for quite a while. Um, upwards of, I would say it was about a year actually. I'm not entirely sure of the timeline off the top of my head, but um what ended up happening was we got into Techstars and we started talking to a lot of other companies there. Um, the program we did is Chicago and uh, the Techstars Chicago program is located in like a local incubator space. So there are like hundreds of companies there and a lot of them just happen to be building marketplaces and um, as well as a couple of like the other companies in our batch. So we would talk one-on-one -on -one with them and we would realize that like their products were at a completely different level of like, basically a lot of them were starting off as non-technical founders and they were using, you know, the majority of them were using something like ShareTribe or something like Webflow with like static pages and just like integrating Stripe like that. Um, so we actually had, we didn't have like a signup form for like a B2B sales document. Um, the way it came to be was we actually just had people keep asking us if they could do it. Um, so eventually we said yes to one of our uh, batchmates, Elite Personal Chefs is the name of their company. And um, we ended up signing like a one-time agreement to basically like white label our code base to them. Um, 
And that ended up working really, really well. So that's when we had to start seriously considering like, okay, maybe there's a bigger opportunity to go B2B here. Yeah, I think that makes sense, you know, get it, getting the requests and then um, filling the need. Uh, it is a is it a pretty large pivot, but I think, you know, having been, uh, I actually worked out of the Techstars office here in Seattle, uh, seeing all the cohorts come through, that interaction, I think, leads to some, some positive uh, pivots and ev- evolutions of the business. Uh, let's talk about your personal journey and, and why you chose startup life versus a more uh, conventional career path. Sure. Um, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, the, I, I never really saw myself working at, uh, at another company in a serious capacity, at least like internships. Sure. But, um, growing up, my parents ran, they, they own a restaurant. Um, so I grew up like observing them working there, um, like working at all hours a day to like keep that running. Um, that was really inspiring to me. Um, when I went to college, I studied machine learning um, and statistics. And, you know, the big thing when you're in college studying a technical field is like get an internship at one of the big, you know, five companies. And um, that never really like appealed to me. Um, and neither did it to my co-founder. And that's kind of why we worked so well together, especially early on. Um, yeah, the there's, I would say like, Personally, I've never felt like there was another option. Um, I really love working on the startup, and I don't think I could have it any other way. That's great. I think uh, some of some of the best founders have been um, not always uh, just starting first in startups, but um, at least having that notion um, at some point in time that there is no other way. And once once you get that in your mind, uh, you can never go back. So um, now that you're on this journey. Uh, what do you see as some of the challenges that you maybe you weren't expecting uh, and how have you been uh, overcoming them? Yeah. Um, every day there are new challenges that come up that we weren't expecting. Um, right now we're starting to face the reality of the situation of like, it's really tough to uh, manage all of your time effectively, especially when you're a small team and you have customers and, this is something that like every founder says and that I always underestimated until it actually started happening to me. But like time management has become so difficult and so time consuming in and of itself. Um, just like personally being able to deal with like, okay, this customer needs this. Um, my co-founder and I are both engineers, so we're both writing code. So like managing who's building what and like who's, you know, managing you know each relationship and that that's started to get really taxing and it's started to it's definitely like the biggest challenge we didn't see coming um until it actually hit us yeah and and because you you both of you are working hard on the product itself um and there's so many other tasks i think that can be challenging do you have any foresight on when you might uh hire some other folks to to help with the dev work yeah we're actually um, glad you asked. We're raising around right now. Um, we are also starting to hire for various positions. Um, if anyone listening to this is interested, you can see that at perry.app/jobs. Um, but yeah, we're uh, we're looking especially for mostly engineering talent. Um, my co-founder and I are both like strongly in favor of of building up the technical team and like building a great product first above all else. 
That's great. Well, we'll make sure to include the jobs link in, in the show notes and uh, make sure you can hire some some talented engineers there. So um, let's let's also talk a little bit about the trends you're seeing in the space, because this is a no code product. And uh, I've been interviewing a lot of a lot of no code founders and everyone has a little bit different take on um, whether no code has to be something that's mentioned or something in the forefront or it's really just um, expected that every everything will be no code and it's just a better experience. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, um, this is really interesting topic i love to to talk and and think about this um to me um code so i'm an engineer uh, by background i've been coding for a really long time um my feeling about no code as a system is that really over time especially it's, it's decreasingly like its own thing it's no code is another layer of abstraction on code the same way that like previous generations of programming languages, for example, have been abstractions on lower level code. Um, I think eventually, like in the near future, actually not eventually necessarily, but soon we're really going to start seeing platforms that are built on the cusp of like fully flexible programming languages that happen to be systems that don't require the user to code. Um, I think that's where pretty much everything is is trending in terms of like writing code. Um, like, for example, if you were writing code 20 years ago, you wouldn't be doing it in the same frameworks, libraries, and languages we are now. Um, the things we're, we're working in now are, are much more new, and the value per line written is much higher. Um, and I think that's only going to continue to increase, and eventually, like, it will become intuitive to, like, build UIs around that and stuff like that. So... Um, that's my bet on where on where the no code systems are headed. Yeah, I think that that's very well articulated. Uh, I think you, you mentioned uh, programming language ex- abstraction, and there's even like if you think about the the notion of the the libraries and frameworks that people already build on, it, it's really a build once, uh, use many times, or or build once and many people contribute uh, for the open source projects. But I think in my mind, it's all about leverage or multiple effect. Uh, if someone you know can can build something once uh, and offer an API or something, then it gets used you know a hundred times, a thousand times. That's that's the leverage we want because then everything is incremental value add. Right. So. Hundred percent. Yeah. This it, this is just really interesting. Um, what what are your other thoughts like on how this might evolve in terms of uh, the need for different talent? Yeah. Um, I think we will like see a convergence of people. Like, writing code is really hard right now. Um, I don't think it has to be. Um, I think a lot of the problems we face today can can be automated away. And I think, like, a lot of people who, who write code don't want to believe that because it doesn't make them feel good. But in reality, like, programmers' jobs is to automate tasks and make them easier. And above all else, like, when you're writing code, not to repeat yourself. Um, and I think we're only going to see that continue on a, on like a macro scale. I think like everything we build is, is to make our lives easier. And like, there's, I think in terms of like specifically people's occupations, um, I mean, one of my big bets is that like in the long run, no one will work. Um, I think 
like in terms of non-programmers becoming programmers, like at the very least, we're going to see the number of quote unquote, like product building people or engineers or whatever you want to call them in the future, uh, increase pretty drastically as these tools start to become more sophisticated. Because like if, for example, like some, you know, if some bot can write code a hundred times better, faster and cleaner than any human, um, there's no utility to like hire humans to write code anymore. Um, and anyone who like doesn't believe in that, who's a programmer is like just probably scared for their own job. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. And um, there was an interesting um, interesting quote from Austin Allred at, at Lambda School about how they're using AI to help uh, their uh, develop software engineers and developers uh, write better code and basically make suggestions and recommendations. Uh, and I think it, to your point, if if the bot can write better code, uh, you either let it go do it itself or you even use it as a tool to help improve on everyone else that is writing code. So I, th I think that was quite interesting. Uh, I, I believe that, I don't know if that was a Masters of Scale um, episode or where I heard that, but it was a recent interview. And I think that's I think that's a, a meaningful way to think about things is use the tools to improve. And if you don't need to write code, you know, use a no code. I guess with that, what do you think would be the, the likelihood or the possibilities of, of using no code within Perry, like rather than you and your co-founder um, building the product um, more or less from scratch? Uh, do you do you think there's opportunity um, for you to migrate to a no code platform, okay. use pieces of a no code platform? A hundred percent. So we actually don't write code where we don't need to. Um, we very carefully decide like, do, is this every time we write code, we think like to ourselves, do we need to be writing this code? Because I think a common trap a lot of like especially technical founders will fall into is writing code because that's what they know how to do. Um, and I think the fact of the matter is like, if you want to build a great business early on, you need to be doing other things. Um, so like, let me think of an example of like no code. So actually my favorite, like no code platform, quote unquote, um, it's really simple. And, and some people will probably hate me for this, but we really, really love Typeform. Um, using Typeform, allows us to build like really beautiful looking forms really easily. Um, if you're not familiar, Typeform is just like a form building tool. And there are other like form building tools out there um, that are equally good. But like rather than writing the code ourselves, we it's just so much easier and quicker and better looking if we just abstract that away in most cases, unless we like can't for security reasons or something. But um, we also use Right now we're using Webflow for our landing page. I think most like, you know, most startups that don't have a lot of time are using Webflow rather than like writing their own landing page at this point. But um, I think that's just like the first step in terms of what we can all do with no code. Yeah, I think I think that's incredibly interesting and um, also a big fan of Typeform. So, um, <laughs> so some great examples there. Uh, and uh, I actually just, just recently interviewed um, uh, the co-founder of Userflow, which helps with onboarding. So check them out. The episode I, is not live yet, but 
if that's something you're looking to do, a user flow might be right for you. So um, there's, I think there's kind of an ecosystem of co-founders and, and startups that are becoming useful to each other that I've interviewed. And um, I always think it's great when there's there's cross cross pollination there. So, uh, okay, Aaron, anything else that you think the users or listeners, I should say, should know about Perry um, before we sign off here? Yeah. Um, so, like I said, uh, we are hiring. If you want to go check out our landing page, uh, check out the jobs, um, especially if you're engineering and you want to start your own company one day, we'd love to talk to you. Um, also, of course, if you're building a marketplace, we'd love to chat. Even if you don't think Perry would be a good fit, we always love to learn from others who are uh, building so we can continue to iterate. Um, but yeah, I would love to uh, love to chat either way. You can also email me directly, Aaron at Perry.app, if you want to just directly reach out. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. We'll we'll include uh, links to all those uh, mentions in the in the show notes. I think. Um, we covered a lot of uh, great content in the no-code uh, trends and um, uh, the journey of Perry. So I think uh, the listeners will enjoy this. I really appreciate the time. Uh, thank you so much, Aaron. That's it for this episode. Please be sure to follow Founders with Purpose and tune in again soon.